My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Talkin' Tom, the Pod Hanks Tomcast. Today, we're talking Uncommon Type. Yeah, we are. Hi guys. The same guys. book we've been talking about. <laughs> Can you believe we're still reading the same book? It's weird to s- spread it out, mostly to come back and be like, we have to talk about something you read a week ago or two weeks ago. Right. We're talking stories 9 and 10 today, which is Who's Who and A Special Weekend. Mm-hmm. Those are some good ones. And then we're long. These are some doozies. Yeah. I don't mind because I'm, I, as you know, I'm a very good reader. <laughs> so these were not hard for me. I'm a very good reader. Do <laughs> uh, you want to start with who's who? Let's start with who's who. Should we start? Why don't you explain the plot of this one? All right. Well, it's kind of like, it's the typical, like, welcome to New York, like, girl with big dreams, small town girl, moves to New York. And to chase her dreams and kind of finds out it's not as easy as they make it seem in the movies. Yeah. She's, um, her name is Sue Glebe. And she, Glebe. <laughs> she's, she's just kind of down on her luck. I think we all know how Sue feels at some point in our lives. It's the artist's story. Mm-hmm. Retold time and time again. But it's always pleasant. It always feels nice to be like, yeah, she did it. Sue Glebe did it. I can do something. Sue did it. There was a section in here that I really liked, actually, and I just remember I underlined it. Oh, she said, it says, For Sue, moving to New York was an act of faith. Faith in herself, in her talent, and in the promise of the city that never slept. And I think that's, like, the quintessential, like, summary of why we do what we do. Yes, and the quintessential summary of, like, the the... The view of New York, mm-hmm. of like what New York represents to so many people. A city of opportunity. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we can start right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Where'd you see the typewriter? Let's get right into it. There's a bunch of typewriters. Yeah, this, we're, we're, in a, we're in a segment of this book where there are, there's no like subtle typewriters. Like, <laughs> yeah, typewriters like, are important to the story typewriters. Yeah, these are like plot point typewriters. Yeah. So. Sue knows that she needs to get a job because she needs to get an apartment, and in order to pay for her own apartment, instead of sleeping on a friend's couch, she's got to get a job. But The real struggle. She doesn't have a good resume, so she's on a mission on this rainy New York day to get to the public library where she can rent time on a typewriter and retype her resume. Sounds miserable. Yeah. I don't like making a resume that I've already formatted on the computer. Oh my gosh. And you make one wrong move on a typewriter, man. You're, you're done. I guess you just redo it. You're not done. You have to redo it. But. Yeah, that's even worse. Yeah. Um, and this poor girl, everything's going wrong. She wakes up with enthusiasm. She's been smart. She bought an umbrella in advance. She can't even get this umbrella to open. It's like, it's dumping rain on her. She's soaking wet. Every, every, um, what's the, what's the... It's like the, it's the snowball effect. Yeah, but each, oh, every branch of the library she goes to is closed. <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? 
Libraries are closed on Mondays? I don't think so. I never known. I thought libraries were open. If I, I thought so. So, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe certain branches. I know at least the library I go to, they're open every... Have you known that I go to the library? <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh. Did I tell you how much I love reading? Yeah, I, I've heard tell. <laughs> um, they just have limited hours on the weekends. Yeah. But they're open every day. Closed Mondays in this, which I guess is a... I, a lot of stores seem to do that, so I guess that's not super surprising. Yeah. But also, if they were open, the, the, the story wouldn't work. So right. We need the library to be shut. There's a plot point I won't focus on. No. She, then by happenstance, mm-hmm. she gets to this library, library's closed, umbrella's broken, life's bad uh, at that moment. But she <laughs> runs into someone t- she knew before, a uh-huh. man named Bob. Yeah. Who's just sort of, he's kind of mysterious. I'm not quite sure what he does. And like what he wants. Yeah. Which I think is sort of the line that we're walking in this is. Yeah. He's very eclectic and there's sort of an expectation of like this older man is like, I can help you to this younger woman. And you're like, oh, where does this going to lead? And then Mm -hmm. weirdly it leads into kind of this. He like like, helps her. (laughs) Yeah, really nice thing. Does what he says. He's like a genuinely nice guy. Yeah. And it's. It's mentioned quite a few times that Sue is an attractive young woman mm-hmm. with a big rack. Like, they point out her boobs. Tom, you little devil. <laughs> you gotta stop it. I think it's. I think it all does that to screw with us when we meet Bob, though. Yeah. I think you hear enough stuff like that, and you're like, I've seen this story played out um, a million times. I know how this is gonna go. And then it gets into it, and you're like, oh, no, no, it's not gonna go that way. Yeah. To an extent, yeah. So ultimately, Bob takes her under his wing. He helps her rewrite her resume, lets her take a hot bath in his apartment while he runs to get groceries. A bath that's in the kitchen. Yeah, you know. New York. Where they are. And he's got ties to the theater world. He's respected, so he he's in a position to help her. And he decides that he it's like time for the rebirth of Sue Glebe. She's going to be reborn with a new stage name. A new resume. New resume. A new outlook. Yeah, she's got a second chance, basically. The resume stuff, as someone, you know, we work a lot of freelance, so mm-hmm. resumes, we get, we're tossing them around. Anything in here you've been like, did, did you read anything about what he critiqued on her resume? And you're like, well, I have to change that because Bob said I have to do it. Or <laughs> Tom said I have to do it. Well, I, I like the way that he, he kind of encourages pumping up the resume Without lying, but like yeah. you're still being honest, but maybe you're like, so he tells her to put commercials upon request to make it seem like she's done tons of commercial work. She's done one commercial, yeah, but nobody's gonna ask about those commercials. Um, and kind of highlighting her best projects rather than I don't know, putting yeah, them like, in date order. She's like stripping location. Like no one needs to know it was your high school. No one needs to know it was yeah. a one a one person play because that puts your experience level into question versus if it just lists them, they're like, oh, they've done a lot. Yeah, you played the role. Yeah. Um, I will say that in this business, I have noticed tons, everybody's got an opinion on a resume, man. Yeah. And it's, at this point, I'll listen. Thank you for your opinion. But no, I don't need to rewrite my resume for every job I apply to. Yeah. I always like, I feel like most cover letter is what I focus the most on because that's where I can really make a statement. The resume you look over, my resume, I keep it super minimal. It is like basic. Here's the listings. There's not really descriptors because like if I'm a production assistant, like, you know what I did? Yeah. I can take the trash out. (laughs) 
I'll I can get, wash the dishes. <laughs> yeah. I'll get you coffee and I won't mess up your yeah. order. Yeah. I think it does seem like everybody's got a say about um the resume. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> and the the weirdest thing about this is that the it sort of starts kind of a oh no, what's gonna happen to her? And then gradually it becomes like a like very optimistic, like nice thing, nice thing, nice thing, nice thing. And then we get to the end and like nice things have happened. Yeah. Like ends on like this very upbeat note. I kind of expected some more stakes to develop, but <laughs> Yeah. It turns out she just needed someone to take her under their wing. Yeah. And like treat someone her with like, kindness. <laughs> yeah, and someone who said what he meant and was like good and uh-huh. seemingly kind and no expectations on his end. Yeah, there's a reveal that he's gay, which is yeah. kind of hinted at, and I was like, not surprised. Yeah, and with I don't remember it stating a direct. Oh, 1978. I do remember. Okay. It. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense with. So what we're dealing with. Yeah, he was just a nice guy. Didn't really have anything to gain from it. Just that he believed in her. I had a mentor. Um, in back when I was living in. Seattle area I was working at this production company and a bunch of really nice people at that company that when I went to LA for the first time one of them one of the owners happened to be in LA and we connected he was like do you want to come meet my friend at the Paramount lot he gave me a tour of Paramount which was so you know I'd never been to Los Angeles he took yeah, me up and down the, cool to start. Mm-hmm. he took me up and down and I just found this photo up and down the Walk of Fame to the Chinese Theater, and I. This was like four or five years ago. He took he took a picture of me next to Tom Hanks's hands at the Chinese Theater, and I'm like posing there, and I posted it on Facebook, and I captioned it, "Met my boyfriend at the Chinese Theater." <laughs> That'll be in the show notes, right? Are you sure, I think yeah. We need to see that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but he was so nice. He just he he drove me all around LA. I didn't have any money. He was in a rental car. He just like showed me the Hollywood sign. It was just... And he had no reason other than he just was a nice guy and I had made a good enough impression That's when cool. I was Yeah. There. There's nothing like... Especially in the in the weird creative world and entertainment, like finding anyone who like genuinely wants to help is, is A, rare, but B, is like the nicest feeling. Yeah. That's sort of the company I've been working for. There's a lot of directors and they're very much people who like want to talk about what they're doing so that you can use their advice to position yourself correctly to continue mm-hmm. on the path or change things. Like, this didn't work for me. I don't like this. You're not going to want to do this. Be wary of and this. Sort of, yeah. There's that whole thing about, you know, it's all who you know. And it is, but it also is like when you meet genuine people, it's the most helpful and, I don't know, a nice reminder when things aren't so good. You're like, but there's, there is good. Yeah. So maybe that's why this has to end good because if it didn't, it would be sad. Yeah. Then it kind of makes sense to end it on a positive note because the second story today is a much more dense and yeah. not yeah. quite as it's a little all over the all over the place emotionally. So you're talking about a special weekend. I'm talking about a special weekend. Sum that one up for us. This one's about a young kid a who it's his it's his birthday, yeah. and he's got a lot of older brothers and sisters. But for his birthday weekend, his mom, who is, is separated from his father, is going to take him away to spend the weekend together. And it's sort of just about all the stuff that they do. And then as they do it, you sort of learn the complexities of the relationship mm-hmm. he has with his mom. And he's young. I think he's, what, 10? Nine days past 10. Yeah. Um, and so he's still young and full of hope and 
doesn't understand everything, but the way it's written, we understand it, so we know those feelings that maybe he's yeah. not comprehending. Yeah. There's little glances and, like, little little observations that Kenny makes. I mean, quite a feat, honestly, to, to write an entire chapter with perspective of a 10-year-old, but still get across the complexities of, like, adulthood. Yeah. I, it was <laughs> That seems to be almost a, fe- a part of the thesis of this book, is, like, write from all these different perspectives that yeah. are not Tom yeah. and make it compelling and interesting and rounded. And believable. Yes. It's very diff- I think that's difficult and is, is, especially in stories like this, is, is a great success. Yeah. Tell me why, why did you call this one dense? I think it's just, well, A, it's maybe the longest one we've read, mm-hmm. but it's sort of, the way it's written is very wordy and long. Like the things that they do are described in immense detail that yeah. are not always... I wouldn't, wouldn't, you wouldn't think initially are important. Like there's a segment that actually feeds into the typewriter finding mm-hmm. where he goes, so he has to go to work with his mom. His mom works at this hotel and he goes into her office and she lets him play at her desk and her desk has an electric typewriter and he types a letter to her, but it's the most, the detail that goes into describing how he's typing the letter, how fast he's typing the letter, what he's typing on it, how he has to learn how to type School on it correctly. It correct. Yeah. yeah and then what he wants to do with this letter and how he wants to hide it for his mom to find is very, I don't know, it, it's very much in the frame of a child and how every detail is important and time is so slow when you're that age that those details you do remember yeah. doesn't feel I think fast. that's a great observation. Yeah, it's you cool. don't think, I don't think about everything I do in that much. Yeah, we don't have do time it. to think about it. In I'm that a busy life. woman. <laughs> And it's interesting because we're learning everything about his family from him. It's not really spelled out. It's spelled out, I mean, it's not really spelled out explicitly as from the adult version. It's just from the kid version of parents aren't together. And there's this guy who's with mom and the guy wants to, has an airplane and he's going to take him up to fly. It's his birthday surprise. And uh, sort of the implication is that they're a couple, mm-hmm. mom and the friend. Uh, she doesn't tell the kid this because no. the kid's not going to understand that. Um but there's an interesting thing, I think, where they're supposed to fly and then it gets canceled, and, but then it kind of becomes a bigger thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know, there's a weird rolling mechanism to like this kid's mind and how all these things. He seems overwhelmed, but also yeah. just like a very grateful kid. Like he never he's gets got mad. He's good. He's a polite kid. That's the only thing I think is fake. No, oh. kid, no kid is No that kid polite. is like, may I please <laughs> yeah. use this special secretary yeah. paper? Like, no, that kid uses that paper and maybe asks <laughs> about it later. Yeah, um, and like breaks something. Right, yeah, when he accidentally <laughs> destroys all the paper, he yeah. has to own up to it. Um, also, just like while we're talking about this, his, he's got a hot-ass mom. Yeah. Like, apparently. <laughs> Everyone's checking out mom. Like saying it to Kenny, which is gross and weird. There's like, nothing weirder than someone acknowledging, especially someone you're related to, or even a friend when they, when they say something about your friend or your family, and you're like, "Why would you think I'm the person to tell that?" Yeah, to? leave them, leave me out of this. Yeah, yeah poor little Kenny doesn't understand. <laughs> Kenny just grows up. He has to tell people. So tell us about your family. Well, everyone says my mom's hot. Well, my mom's got a beautiful body. Yeah. <laughs> Was it hinted? I, I don't remember it hinting why her parents, his, his parents separated. Uh, I don't. I came up with my own theory, but I don't know if it's. It's obviously not candid. They at one point in the story, the perspective switches from Kenny to Mom. Yeah. When Kenny says, "Mom, can we drive by the old house?" and she's like, "It's like she does not want to go back to the old house. That house is full of memories of her 
Um, she's got three children. Kenny's the littlest. And I think it's implied that she had this, like, she was missing a sense of purpose. Like, she spent a lot of time just raising kids. Yeah. Which is very, I assume, it can be very fulfilling, but you kind of lose a piece of your identity, I think, into motherhood. And she decides that she's going to go to work, and she's going to work at the same hotel that her husband currently works at. And that's how she kind of, like, finds new life. But within the walls of the home that they share, there's fighting and there's arguing and... She, it seems like she's just lost her identity and she got it back when she left. I really liked that segment. I I was born and raised in the same house. My parents still live in my childhood home. So I don't quite know... I mean, I've been moved apartments and cities, but yeah. this idea of like a home that represents everything that you no longer have access to mm-hmm. is foreign to me. Did you move as a kid or did you? were you in the same house? Uh, we moved once when I was... Very, like, in kindergarten. Oh, okay. So the so house didn't have... have too many memories. Well, it's something I think is interesting because I've, I've talked to friends when you're... Sort of when you've moved away and all of your siblings have moved and your parents, like, consider selling the house, say. Mm-hmm. And some people have very strong emotional reactions to that where they're like, no, you can't sell our house as if it belongs to us. But I think it... Yeah. I know, there's a weird emotional attachment to, to homes. And I think that segment about what the walls represent yeah. is very, I don't know, it gave us a lot of insight into her. Yeah, and, and really characterizes her because we've spent most of the time just seeing, oh, she does nice things for her kid who she clearly doesn't see very often. I know. And people think she's attractive. Yeah. And in this one segment, it's like, whew, yeah, the world's opened. She's found herself a new man who shows her affection in a way that Kenny's never seen anybody show anybody affection. He's never yeah. seen his dad and his new stepmom kiss or show happiness for no reason of no apparent reason he know like he notices that this i think his name's jose maybe he kisses his mom he kisses kenny's mom just uh, he's leaving he's like yeah. I'm gonna give her a kiss goodbye and kenny's never seen that i think she seems happy mom seems happy. i think so too and he's She's got a smaller house he's a pilot he's a, he's a living metaphor of the ability to get away yes yeah he's found success but he also bring i realize now ability to get away but also brings pe- brings Kenny back home so there's this weird connection between this ability to get away but also that it's not too far away yeah and there's that sort of sad I think the ending the, the end is really sad when he's sitting in the car and he's looking up in the sky hoping he'll see the plane fly away it was like it never even happened I do think he takes a first flight very well oh yeah in a tiny little plane like that I don't know I don't remember my first... I've traveled a lot on... My dad works for the airlines, so I, I've okay. flown a lot, but I don't remember my first time. But I can't imagine their first time being at a small aircraft and reacting so, like, wow. Oh. I also... I don't like heights. Yeah. So I think I would just, um, I don't know, pass out. I, I hate flying. <laughs> I do it a lot for work. Yeah. And I figured out a manager, but I get nervous every time I get on a flight. I went in one of those little tiny ones, and it was... Like That's rough. One of the most horrifying things I've ever done. When you look out the window, I like I have this memory. I went on a plane with my sister, and her, one of her coworkers had a little plane, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll fly you guys around. We'll, we'll give you a tour of San Diego." Mm-hmm. Uh, I like pushed my hand on the glass, and I realized the only thing separating me from like plummeting to my death was like basically a aluminum. <laughs> like, yeah. It was, it was rickety. The pilot gave my sister control of the plane at one point, and I lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> I was like, I remember That's when it, she yeah. broke her femur. <laughs> she can't fly a plane. 
I think as a kid, I since I rode on airplanes, I, I just upgraded to spaceships oh. as the unattainable. Airplanes made sense to me. Uh-huh. They're magical, but tilted a little bit higher, oh, way yeah. more magical. Well, that's what we learned in our last mini-sode is that yeah. you're not scared of space. No, I'll go to space. You're much braver than I am. <laughs> I say that if someone was like, hey, we heard your podcast and uh, we can send you to space, <laughs> I think I might have a different reaction. Yeah. It would be embarrassing and... <laughs> the opposite of the last time I said I would do it. Oh my gosh. Well, well, do you have anything else to talk about with these? Um, I just, I, oh, I wrote that it's kind of like the opposite, like the antithesis of Welcome to Mars. Because instead of this father, um, like keeping his new life and everything a secret from his son, mm-hmm. this mom is kind of like welcoming. She's like treading the waters of really letting Kenny meet this new man in her life. And it's interesting. She has other children. So why don't they come? I know it's Kenny's birthday. Yeah. Did they mention how old the brothers were? Um, I think they must have been. I For some reason, the 15 and 16 is standing out to me, but I don't know if that's the truth. Yeah, I'm... Um, I guess maybe Kenny's a, he's at an age where there's a way you can kind of get him into this and meet this person and then gradually start to realize like who they are yeah. that you lose when you get into like your teenage years and it's yeah. obvious like mom's dating someone new and there's a weird different stigma to it. Yeah. So maybe it's sort of that. Get Kenny on our side. Yeah. He's like a yeah, good dude. Yeah. It was a sweet chapter. I think there's something sad there about the very end right before he looks up and doesn't see the plane in the sky the mom kind of like accidentally either they got in late on the plane when they were bringing Kenny back or she has to call her ex-husband. Yeah. And it seems like there's some frustration there that Kenny just observes. And then, and then the, it seems like the magic is lost for him because his mom gets him a thing, a hot cocoa and it's too watery. He can't drink it. It's, yeah. It's like all of a it's sudden the, going back to dilute, he diluted back to the real life. Yeah. He's a sweet kid. I loved the section where he was typing the letter to his mom. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was like one of the sweetest things I've ever read. Yeah, that was that was real nice. Yeah. I like put hearts in it in my book. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, is that it? I think that's about all I've got for these two. Yeah. If you guys are reading along with us, make sure that you continue the conversation with us. We've got a Facebook group. We've got a Facebook page. We got a website, talkintom.com. We got Twitter, Instagram, other things. Podhanks Tomcast. It's hard not to find us. We're literally everywhere. <laughs> and we're, on, we're, we try not to be annoying. We're pretty, yeah. we're pretty selective about our posting. If you guys are reading this, hey man, you know me. I love reading. <laughs> cool. Well, is there, I think that's... Oh, I got anything happening with you? Anything cool happening with you this week? Oh, oh I said you know. Inflection. I haven't been up to much. I have been doing a lot of my own writing and a lot of my own personal things. And we still can't talk about it. Not yet. Not for a while. Secrets. You know, I don't want to jinx anything. Yep. Well, I've got... I'm, I have created and curated a film festival for short films. It's called mm-hmm. Improbability Fest. The inaugural fest is this Saturday in Hollywood, which is March 24th, 2018, because oh if you're listening to this some other time, then it won't make any sense. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty excited about that. It's something I want to do in the future, too. So that's that. You really can do it all, Daniel. 
I'm impressed. <laughs> I can read and I can make people watch Curate stuff. an entire festival. That's Curate's pretty a good impressive. Impressive? It's pretty impressive. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll, I'll be there if you guys want to meet me. <laughs> I'll gush. I'll talk about your stuff when I'm allowed to talk about it, because right now you've really screwed me. Oh my God, and, like, whatever. What can I say? Nothing I do is interesting. Whatever. Cool, okay. Well, All right. Till next time. I'm Josie. I'm Daniel. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.